0: Hi, welcome to the Kennedy Report. I'm Kennedy Hall. Today we're going to talk about the secrets behind Our Lady of Guadalupe. Today is the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, December 12th. This is a Marian devotion that has particular meaning for me. And I do speak about it in my book, Terror of Demons, where I talk about my conversion story if you're interested in that. In fact, it was Our Lady of Guadalupe who, in a way, brought me back to the church. I would say that Our Lady, through that apparition, was the main driving force in my conversion. Along with Fatima, it's one of the most famous apparitions on Earth, with tens of millions of people visiting it every year. In fact, there's a major pilgrimage that takes place in Mexico around that time every December, where you can see hundreds of thousands and, some years, millions of people taking long walks from as far as southern Mexico into northern Guatemala, walking up through Mexico City. It really is astonishing. Her image is so ingrained in Mexico and Mexican culture that, if you've ever been around Mexicans or you've been to Mexico, it's ubiquitous. It's part of the culture, and you cannot escape it, which is a good thing. It's Our Lady. I've been to Mexico twice on pilgrimage to Guadalupe, and I can attest that she is everywhere. She's almost like a symbol for Mexico. Perhaps when we think of Guadalupe, the first thing that we think of is the image. As we'll go over throughout this talk, there are numerous miracles associated with the image, and we're only going to scratch the surface of them and probably list about 15 of them. Perhaps you think about the massive conversion of the Aztec people, And there's even more to the story, which we'll go over. A little bit of context. The history in Mexico at the time of the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe is housed in the history of the Spanish conquistadors and the Aztecs interacting. The Aztec culture, for whatever good, would have been there. There was definitely a high intellectual class. There was great architecture. They had sophisticated mathematics and all these sorts of things. And those things should be praised. But the religious background of the Aztec culture was very diabolical. They worshipped a snake. When you worship a snake, I mean, you're not worshipping God. There's something in the Bible about that. Um, But they also practiced a ton of human sacrifice. And in fact, there was actually a welcoming by all of the tribes around the Aztecs to the Spanish because it was sort of like somebody a little bit more sane who isn't going to go look for us and sacrifice us in the tens of thousands someday to the gods. So it's a very interesting history. We have an article on our website by David Rodriguez. And on that article, I would recommend reading it because he actually goes through much of the information about the history of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I also have an article on there where I talk about the link between Our Lady of Good Success and Our Lady of Guadalupe and how those tie in to Fatima. In any case, we'll put the links to those in the notes for the show. In 1529, Hernán Cortés conquered the Aztec Empire. And he brought the Spanish crown, and of course, he brought the Spanish religion. Cortes is a a conflicted character. He's definitely a good man. He wasn't saintly, he wasn't perfect, but he was a faithful son of the church and was an incredible military leader. There are a lot of myths told about Cortes and the other conquistadors, especially about, well, Columbus didn't get to Mexico, but especially you've probably heard lots of myths about Mexico. But it's worth remembering that There was actually a cause for Columbus's canonization that happened about a couple hundred years ago, and it got pretty far. You don't get pretty far in a canonization cause if you're some sort of you know diabolical slaughterer of indigenous peoples. He was a very good man. They weren't perfect, but there's a reason, as I said, that the neighboring tribes around the Aztecs were a fan of the Spanish over the Aztecs. And I should probably mention here, if you know anything about Mexico you know that there's an ethnicity or race of people called the Mestizo. Well, the Mestizo basically means mix. That's what the word means in Spanish. It's a mix between the Spaniards and the indigenous Mexicans. Call me crazy, but when people actually marry each other, they tend to like each other. So there is a great history of, uh, of a true enculturation of the two cultures, which should be praised because as Catholics, we know, when we're baptized into the body of Christ, there is no separation between us. It is really the true solution to actual racism, in my opinion. In any case the Christians' effort to evangelize the people of the Americas, it was actually proving quite difficult. It was a very strong diabolical cult that was there in the Aztec Empire. Even after the temporal powers had been conquered through this great battle between the Aztecs and the Spaniards, which you should read about because it is an astonishing feat of military history. Even after that was accomplished, there was a lot of spiritual baggage. It was actually common for a lot of indigenous people. They would hide idols of these various snake gods and things behind Catholic statues or images. They would sort of feign a uh, conversion, but mix it, you know, sort of in kind of a voodoo hybrid with Catholicism. And there were actually rumors circulating that there was going to be an armed rebellion. Confronted with this problem, the Spanish officials realized how ineffective their missionary efforts were, and Bishop Juan Zumarga was at his wit's end. So, the Franciscan bishop doing what all good Franciscans do he appealed to the Virgin Mary for a sign, and the sign did come from a very unsuspecting source. The first apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe happened in 1531. It was on December 9th, which was actually one day after the octave, into the octave, I should say, of the Immaculate Conception, which is, of course, very important to the Franciscans. Juan Diego, who is now a saint, Saint Juan Diego, saw Our Lady the morning of December 9th, 1531. He heard sounds of sweet music, heavenly sounds coming from the top of a hill. He was astonished because he looked up at the top of the hill and he saw beautiful vegetation, flowers and so forth, birds singing, but that wasn't supposed to happen at that time of the year. He heard a miraculous voice of a woman saying, Juanito, dear Juanito, dieguito," which is sort of like a nice way of saying my little Juanito. When he reached the top of the hill, he saw a beautiful young girl standing in front of a beautiful cloud. It does sound a lot like the apparition of Fatima, does it not? Her appearance diffused such a bright light that the rocks seemed transparent around this precious image of Our Lady. Cactus leaves looked like emeralds, and other shrubs looked like polished gold. The vision asked him in his native tongue where he was going. He replied to the noble lady that he was on his way to church, at a place that actually I can't pronounce because it's in the Aztec dialect. But then she said to him, "Know for certain littlest of my sons, that I am perfect and the perpetual Virgin Mary, mother of a true God through whom everything lives, the Lord of all things near and far, the master of heaven and earth. Continuing, she said to him, I wish and intensely desire that in this place my sanctuary be erected. Here I will demonstrate, I will exhibit, I will give all my love, my compassion, my help, and my protection to the people, referring to the Aztec people's. Mexico, I am your merciful mother, the merciful mother of all, of you who live united in this land, of all mankind, and of all those who love me, of those who cry to me, of those who seek me, of those who have confidence in me. Here I will hear their weeping, their sorrow, and will remedy and alleviate all their multiple sufferings, necessities, and misfortune. How beautiful those words are. I think we all need to hear words like that from our Blessed Mother. We again see a consistent message with Mary over time of the various apparitions. She continues. She says, In order that my wish be fulfilled, you must go to Mexico, referring to the city, to the house of the bishop, and tell him that I sent you. That is my desire, to have a sanctuary built here for me. Tell him what you have seen and heard, and be sure I shall be grateful to you for doing what I ask. I shall make you happy and reward you for the service which you will render unto me. That was the first apparition. So Juan Diego went about his way, and he saw Our lady again at the second apparition. And this actually took place in the afternoon of the same day when he returned to the hill. He found the Virgin Mary waiting to receive the answer. She was expecting an answer from Juan. Distressed, Juan threw himself at the feet of the Virgin, addressing her as the beautiful lady and queen, telling her that he had given her message to the bishop, but the bishop had not taken kindly to the message. Now, before we continue, that is common in Marian apparitions, and it is actually a good thing. You you consistently hear this, where a person who has an apparition will go to the bishop, and they say no. That's good, because we want to make sure and prove that this is for real, and not just a psychological occurrence. He begged her to send a person of noble rank, who would merit respect, he himself being sort of a lowly uh, native man in the eyes of the Spanish, perhaps. He explained that he was a poor villager, a common and humble man, and he felt not capable of taking care of this business for Our Lady. You see, he has true humility. She answered, Hear me, my beloved son, and understand that I have many servants who would willingly carry out my wish, but is necessary that through the intervention my desire shall be fulfilled." I ask you, my son, to go again to the bishop and repeat what I have told you before. So, Juan Diego goes back to the bishop on December 10th. He entreated the prelate with tears and gestures. In fact, he was so convincing that the bishop was impressed this time. He was very impressed with his sincerity. He asked Juan many questions and felt inclined to believe him. This bishop was a very good bishop. The bishop told Juan he needed some sort of sign or token in order to be convinced. Well, fast forward. The third apparition. Juan Diego went back to the scene of the apparition with the bishop's request. The third apparition took place when Juan Diego arrived at the hill of Tepeyac at sunset and found the Virgin awaiting him. He relayed the bishop's message to Our Lady, telling her that the prelate was inclined to believe him, but that he needed a sign. Our Lady obliged, and she said, Come back tomorrow, Juan, my son. You will see me, and I will give you the sign which you need. Be sure, my son, that you will be compensated for all the trouble you have gone through. This was on December 10th. So Juan was to return the next day. However, his uncle had taken sick and was extremely ill, seemingly on his deathbed. The fourth apparition takes place after missing a day. Because concerned with the welfare of his dying uncle, on the day that he should have returned, Juan stayed with his uncle. He was actually looking for uh, a priest to do last rites because he was worried that he was going to die. So in an effort to evade the Virgin, when he reached the foot of Tepeyac Hill because he had missed their rendezvous, Juan took another road, but Our Lady sees all things. So when he reached the east side, Mary awaited him. Ashamed and frightened, he greeted her. She asked where he was going. He explained his uncle's condition and that he was quite worried. She told him not to fear any illness or anxiety, that she was his mother and that his uncle was not going to die. Having heard these words of comfort, he followed the Virgin's instructions. She told him to climb the hill where she had spoken to him three times. There he would find many kinds of flowers blooming, which he was to cut and bring to her. Juan knew flowers never bloomed in that rocky area, but he climbed the hill and came upon the most beautiful flowers he had ever seen. Now, as I pause here for a second, what's astonishing about these is they were a type of rose that are not native to Mexico, especially at that time of year. A heavenly perfume filled the frosty December air. He gathered the flowers and took the mantle that he put the flowers into our lady who arranged them and then tied the ends of the mantle in a knot on the back of his neck. And she said, this is the sign that you are to take to the Lord Bishop. It will convince him so that he will most enthusiastically comply with my request to erect a sanctuary for me in that place. Now, my son, listen carefully to what I tell you. You are my ambassador, worthy of confidence. Do not let anyone see what you are carrying. Do not unfold your mantle. Now, another name for mantle you've heard is probably the word tilma. It's the Spanish word. basically means like a big poncho sort of garment. And he was carrying them in there and, and using it as sort of a satchel to carry the flowers. Eventually, Juan Diego reached the bishop. And under the impression that the miraculous flowers would prove his authenticity, he unveiled the mystical roses in the presence of the clerics. As the flowers cascaded in front of him, others stood in astonishment. Juan Diego thought that, wow, this is a pretty great miracle. I mean, he knew how miraculous these flowers were. He thought, this is really proving my case. But there was more than that. Because on his cloak, on his tilma, was the famous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, miraculously transposed on there, out of nowhere. Now, that was a miracle. But there are, so many, there are so many miracles associated with this tilma that we have to go over them to give it the proper context. As if the origins of the image were not enough, there have been a series of miraculous events and studies that have taken place. And we will show some of those on an image that we're going to put on the screen for you. And I'll explain what some of those mean. Well, we see Our Lady is clothed with the sun. Well, this refers to the book of Revelation when it says a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet. In the image on her eyes, it actually contains sort of a photo negative, visible only through modern technology of the actual people who were there at the time. The stars on her cloak are accurate constellations, which we'll go over in a bit. That actually appeared on December 12th in 1531. The flower clusters that you can see, which uh, sort of are stitched into her dress, These are glyphs of the native language containing various intricate messages that only the Aztecs could have understood. The ribbon around her waist is a symbol of her virginity, but it's also placed over top of where you can see she is with child, showing that there is a virgin birth. The colors are royal, with green symbolizing heaven and the pink symbolic of earth. Thus, she reigns over the entire cosmos, is the point. She stands on a snakeskin moon, a symbol of an Aztec serpent, god of human sacrifices. There's more symbolism to the crescent moon, which we'll talk about as we continue. So just from that image, we can already see half a dozen things which are astonishing. But there's much more. We're going to go over a series of miracles that have been tested through investigation, scientific research, and even from consultants from places like NASA. Number one. Our Lady of Guadalupe's eyes reflect the figures in the room when the image appeared. This is something that was found in the last couple dec- a few decades, I should say, where they actually blew up with magnification and can see the people there as if it was transfixed on that moment. It's amazing. The next miracle: Our Lady of Guadalupe survived a bomb blast which obliterated everything around the image. I can attest to this because I was there at that original cathedral in Mexico, and it's actually the cathedral sort of tilted because of where it was built. I think it's too heavy and sinking into the ground. But during the revolution in Mexico in the 1920s, it was a huge Freemasonic element to it. And someone, uh, what's common with these uh, processions and then masses where they focus on our Lady of Guadalupe, they'll bring up roses. And if you still go there today, um, you'll see that there are fresh cut roses every single day specific to this apparition. And it was common for bouquets of roses to be brought up to the altar and things like that. Well, anyway, someone somehow found a way to get sticks of dynamite in this massive bouquet of roses. A massive explosion took place. Altar stones were broken. Windows were blown out in this massive cathedral. People were injured. Pews were damaged. I mean, it's dynamite. You can imagine what happened. Our Lady of Guadalupe, the image was in a glass case, and in front of it was uh, a—it looks like a bronze crucifix of Our Lord. And I've seen this crucifix. It was there in front, and it actually bent over in an arc and laid on top of the glass casing of the image, which was mere feet away from the roses and the glass case did not have a scratch on it, and the cross was bent over almost as if Christ was protecting his mother. It's astonishing. When you're there, it makes you shake. It's so so wonderful. The next miracle. The image of Our Lady of Guadalupe should have deteriorated, faded and burned out or turned to dust a long time ago. The material that this cloak is made of is basically cactus fiber. They've tried to make recreations of this, and they last maybe 20 years. This isn't like high-grade, uh, I mean, even if you think of something like a high-grade cotton or something like that, in certain conditions, it's going to deteriorate. This image, for almost 200 years, before it was ever taken care of in a modern sort of art sense, <laughs> was, it was actually just sitting out in the open air, in an open-air cathedral, and there would even be candles placed in front of it at all times, you can imagine the heat from those, the humidity coming back and forth That in that part of Mexico would have done something to it, but it's in perfect condition, which is impossible. Going forward, Dr. Adolfo Orozco, he was a physicist. He remarked the preservation of the Cloak of St. Juan Diego, and he said it's completely beyond any scientific explanation. Another miracle. The miraculous preservation of Our Lady of Guadalupe has even been confirmed and studied by NASA. Philip Callahan, who was a biophysicist and a NASA consultant, He's quoted throughout various articles and was allowed direct access to visually inspect and photograph the image and later publish his findings. Callahan specializes in infrared imaging. Studying the, various, the miraculous preservation of of Guadalupe, he took numerous infrared photos of the front of the tilma. His team noted that the original artwork was neither cracked nor flaked. Impossible 500 years later. This was considered odd, they noted. Because later additions to Our Lady of Guadalupe, such as gold leaf and silver plating, had shown sign of wear. The excellent state of preservation of the untouched areas of the image was, according to Callahan, remember, a NASA consultant, it was impossible and inexplicable. Another miracle. Our Lady of Guadalupe was not painted by human hands. That's true. There are no brushstrokes. There was not a single brushstroke on the entire image. The most notable examination was a three-hour infrared photographic session by Dr. Philip Callahan, the same man, in 1981, who did note multiple layers of paint covering changes to the hands and crown, but came away with more questions than answered. Callahan found, for example, that most of the entire painting seemed to have done with one single brushstroke if you've ever been around somebody who knows about art theft, and I've had the privilege of talking to someone about that, you can tell with the naked eye and a a magnifying glass if something has been added to or if it's had brushstrokes. With infrared imaging, with modern technology, they cannot find brushstrokes. It's incredible. Another miracle. The image of Our Lady of Guadalupe has a heartbeat. In fact, it actually has two heartbeats. One for Our Lady and one for the child, Jesus Christ, in her womb. Therefore, the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart are part of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. What's interesting as well is that when they do test the heartbeat on the womb, it comes in at about 115 beats per minute. It's the same as an infant in the womb. Another miracle associated with the image. Our Lady of Guadalupe maintains normal body temperature. So the actual image itself maintains human body temperature, regardless of the conditions. This same scientist, Dr. Callahan, who looked over it many times, he showed that uh, besides the miraculous preservation, he saw with infrared imaging and other things, that it maintains a consistent temperature of 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, which is just normal body temperature. Another miracle. Our Lady of Guadalupe is not of this earth. What I mean is in 1936... Our Lady was analyzed by Nobel Prize-winning chemist Dr. Richard Kuhn. He analyzed the fibers and color of Our Lady's image on the tilma. He discovered that the color was not of vegetable, mineral, or animal origin and was not known in any earthly element. The coloring of Our Lady of Guadalupe is literally not of nature. And I've seen this before. It is impossible to recreate the strict coloring of that type of blue using any computer technology or anything on the color wheel. It is literally out of this world. There's more miracles. The arrangement of the stars depicted on Our Lady's mantle is not random or decorative. They're actually very specific. Our Lady's stars represent entire constellations. Actually, according to Dr. Robert Simgenis, who is a friend of the Fatima Center and has done um, talks for us in the past, and he has uh, videos on our YouTube channel, the constellations are in the exact position as they would have appeared before dawn on the morning of December 12, 1531 in Guadalupe, Mexico. But there's still more. Notice how the specific constellations, when you look at the image, correspond to the gospel story. So you'll see on the image, for example, Corona Borealis, which means the northern crown. It appears over Our Lady's head. Mary is crowned with stars, showing that she is the queen of heaven and earth. There is the constellation Virgo, which means virgin, appears near her heart. This represents her purity and virginity. And just before I continue with the constellations here, this was something that was astonishing to the Aztecs, because like many pagan cultures, they did have a very involved astrology. They looked to the stars for things. So bridging the language gap was the looking at the stars. Furthermore, you can find the constellation Leo, which means the lion. And this appears, as you might guess, at Mary's pregnant belly. This signifies the Virgin Mary is pregnant with a lion, perhaps the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is Jesus Christ. There's also the constellation Draco, which means dragon, and it's face-to-face with Mary on the image. This represents the enmity and the battle between Mary and Satan prophesied in the book of Genesis and depicted in Revelation chapter 12. Those are the constellations. Another miracle. Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared at an Aztec site dedicated to the worship of Tonatzin, sorry, Aztec word, which means our mother. So again, the the native peoples of Mexico saw this and said, oh, it's our mother. We've been expecting her in a sense. Mary picked this seemingly unknown site on purpose. The Aztec goddess Tonatzin had been worshipped for decades at the very same site. Now this place, in a sort of wonderful divine reversal, is placed to one of the most important shrines to Our Lady, which was before to a sort of pagan goddess. Another miracle. Our Lady of Guadalupe's robe uh, holds several secrets and Aztec symbols. We talked about these briefly. Have you ever noticed the floral design? Our Lady's robe is rose-colored or pale red and covered with these Aztec flowers. And these are symbols of an Aztec princess showing her royalty. Among the designs are four petaled, can't pronounce the name, flowers in Aztec in the shape of a cross. Some of these lay at the center of Our Lady's robe across the Virgin's womb. The flower was called Nawi Olin by the Aztecs and was a symbol of the sun and fullness. It was also the Aztec sign of the divine. You can see all of the symbolism here, and it showed that Our Lady and her son was actually at the center of the cosmic order. The grouping of these symbols shows that the Virgin's baby is both divine and the new center of the universe. Now, before we conclude here, I want to read just quickly about the... because I mentioned how this will also have something to do with Islam. And there is a connection between Guadalupe and Islam, which, for those who don't know, and perhaps you've heard this, but if you don't, Fatima was the name of Muhammad, the founder of Islam. It was the name of his favorite daughter, apparently, which is one of the reasons why... In fact, there are tens of thousands of non-Catholics who will go to the Fatima shrine every year because she's revered amongst the Muslim, and it's actually been a site of major conversion. Guadalupe has something to do with that. The name in the native tongue that was attributed to the image was a term that I will not try to pronounce because it is one of those many consonant-long Aztec words, but in Spanish it sounds like Guadalupe. And in the dialect of the Aztec, it actually means she who crushes the head of the serpent. Go figure. Amazingly, she was, there was already a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe in Spain that preceded the devotion in Mexico by a couple centuries or longer. And that could never have been known to the Aztecs, because it was a small devotion across the sea. we only 30 or 40 years into the presence of the Spanish in Mexico. This was not known to them whatsoever. The most famous Marian shrine in Castile, which is in Spain, was Our Lady of Guadalupe in Ixre Madura. Now, this is not Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico, but it's the original Our Lady of Guadalupe that we'll explain. In fact, before sailing across the ocean, Christopher Columbus even made a special pilgrimage to this sign. And remember, Columbus never got to Mexico, so it's not as if he brought this with him. Many miracles and answered prayers have been attributed to this representation of Our Lady by Spaniards devoted to it. After the Muslims invaded Spain, local Christians hid a statue of our Blessed Mother during an iconoclast Islamic persecution. Centuries later, Our Lady appeared and revealed where this statue was to be found, and it was by the Guadalupe River. This is an Islamic hybrid saying, and the term means wolf river. Guada means river, and lupe means wolf, so it's wolf river. The Spanish would also have found it eminently appropriate that Our Lady was standing above a crescent moon, Because they knew this was a symbol of Islam, representing that Our Lady will conquer over the invasion of Islam, but also be um, a vehicle of conversion. And this statue of her standing over Crescent, remember this precedes Guadalupe by many centuries. Now, within exactly 40 years from the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico, we find ourselves at the Battle of Lepanto, which is where the Muslim Turkish Empire was on the cusp of taking over Christian Europe. Don John of Austria had a personal devotion to the Spanish Our Lady of Guadalupe. So, this is 40 years later. This is not the time of email or the postal system going across the Atlantic, no less long-distance phone calls. This Austrian bishop was not uh, devoted to Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico, which at that time was just regional. But Bishop Juan Zumarga's successor, who understood what was going on in Europe, he sent an image copy of the Mexican Our Lady of Guadalupe to Don John. And this image was hung on the flagship of the fleet. The victory that followed was miraculous and should not have happened. As for the copy of the miraculous Mexican image, it came home with the Genovese admiral named Andrea Doria, and it can still be seen in Genoa to remind us of the time that Europe was saved by the rosary, but specifically under the banner of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. Now, one last thing about Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico—that's actually one of the reasons why it was known that it was Our Lady when they saw the image, because the bishop from Spain who was there at the time of Juan Diego, he knew of that Spanish devotion. In any case, there are so many miracles associated with Our Lady of Guadalupe, and we've just scratched the surface. She was integral in my own life, and I said I talked about that in my book. And you know, often we'll fly all over the world fly to Portugal, we'll fly to uh, France, and, and those are good things to go to these uh, pilgrimage sites. But sometimes I think we forget, as Canadians and Americans, if you're watching this, that there are, for some of us, there is a devotion that is within a three- or four-hour flight. And I've been to Mexico, it's very inexpensive to go there. Mexico City is a beautiful city, it really is. And we can go to one of the most important places on Earth. And as, well, as we sort of fight the culture wars against abortion... In the slaughtering of the innocents that we remember just after Christmas with the uh, Feast of the Slaughter of the Holy Innocents. Our Lady is the patroness of the unborn. And if I could share just something quick here from my own conversion. When I had gone to Mexico for the first time on a mission, I didn't know much about Our Lady of Guadalupe, but I had just found out that my wife was with child with our first son about a week before. And I found myself falling in love with my first child, only to find out after that Our Lady is the patroness of unborn children. She's very important in my life, and I hope that through this video, she can be important in yours as well. If you have liked anything you've seen in this video, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please share this, and consider donating to the Fatima Center to help us spread the message of Our Lady, under Our Lady of Fatima, of course, but under all her wonderful apparitions. This has been the Kennedy Report, and until next time, God bless.